are on. And this is Nat. And this is Cindy. And today we have Heidi Hackamer from Wolf and Wilhelmina. So my name is Heidi Hackamer. I am the founder of Wolf and Wilhelmina. The company's been around for about three years. We are a brand strategy shop. So what that means is we help companies fundamentally figure out who they are. Why do they exist in the world? Why does the world need them to exist? Why do people need them to exist? And we help them clarify their story and be able to articulate their story in a way so outside audiences and internal audiences really know what that company is all about. Um, I know that you founded this agency, and one thing that you said was it's a high value on finding the right people and supporting them through education, systems built around the modern workforce, and the conditions that creativity truly needs to thrive. Today, you're spearheading an intersectional feminism panel. What do you hope to accomplish with today's gathering, and who are some of the people helping you build the systems needed to bring awareness to this issue? It's a really good question. So when everything started to go down over the last few months and we found ourselves in the state of the country that we did today, I think I went through a process that almost everyone went through, which was what do I do? And it was very overwhelming in the beginning because it felt like, oh, my God, I have to be at every protest. I have to be doing I have to be writing letters constantly. (laughs) And yes, we do need to do those things. But one of the questions I asked myself was, what is the role of the company going to be and what are we going to focus on as a company so we can have the most impact? And what we decided was that our company is really good at gathering people together. And we also have the resources to do that. And so part of our ethos is helping what we call non-traditional workers. My entire leadership team is women. Um, In my industry, you're lucky if you have two people of color in an agency of 500. We're a company of 14, and over half of my companies are people of color. And so we've always tried to be advocates for people that aren't naturally in leadership positions or in the workforces that we see. And so part of this with the Intersectional Feminism panel and the Native Issues dinner that you went to, Nat, is this idea of, like, there are voices that are underrepresented in this country and in our societies. We can't fix intersectional feminism, and we can't fix Native issues in America. But what Wolf and Wilhelmina can do is we can create gathering spaces for people to collide with each other and have better conversations. And so we're looking to do a series of different gatherings to help bring together people that should be brought together to talk about things. So seeing as one of your strengths is um, your team and people of color and diversity, how do you, how, what do you look for? Yeah, my team are mavericks. They're all <laughs> I mean, first I'm looking for someone that's a little bit like doesn't fit into the norm. Most of the people that come work for me are people that just can't do the traditional career path, not because they're not smart. They're actually brilliant. But sometimes I think the more brilliant you are, the harder it is to go into the molds of the way that companies want you to be. And so I'm looking for those brilliant mavericks. And what I'm really looking for are the collisions happening inside of my company. And if you just have a company full of white people, it you don't get the collisions. You don't get people challenging each other's thought in the way that if you bring together diverse perspectives. So It's not so pointedly like it's not that I go out and say, well, I need another black person and I need another Hispanic. Like it's it's, it's not that, Mm -hmm. but it's more always looking for people that have a little bit of a maverick mind and also looking for people that are going to challenge the company in ways that it's not being currently challenged. And it always ends up that you're dealing with people from different races when you do that. Like if you're really honoring that, you're not going to have everyone coming from the same racial background. Correct. I agree with you. That's beautiful. And we forgot to add that we are at the Lower East Side Girls Club. And we were just chatting about this before. So can you please tell me why you chose to have your event here? Yeah. 
I mean, I love the Lower East Side Girls Club. I started uh, volunteering here over 10 years ago when I first moved to the neighborhood. And W&W has always given a portion of our profits. This this is our charity. This is not, they're not a charity. This is our org. This is like where we give our money. And the reason we do this is this is a remarkable organization. It supports the projects that are down here in the Lower East Side primarily. That's where most of the girls come from. Girls from diverse backgrounds who society doesn't always give these girls the chance, right? Like if you... The opportunity sometimes not there. It's not, right? Mm-hmm. But they're so smart and they're so driven and they're these amazing girls. And the club started by mothers about 20 years ago realizing there was a boys club, but there wasn't a girls club. And so in their kitchens and in the church basements and in, in businesses, they started hosting after-school programs for the girls. And the cool thing is, is because it's not affiliated with a national organization, these, this program's badass. Like, they teach these girls activism. They teach them entrepreneurialism. They teach them how to be scientists and, like, musicians. And they do activist art at the Governor's Ball um, Art Fair every year. I mean... If I had a little girl, I'd be like, you are going to Lower Side Girls absolutely. Club. After, I, I want to be in the Lower Side absolutely. Girls Club. And after seeing this building, it's my first time here. I see how elaborate the building is and the resources, like we said before, that are given to these young girls who really don't even know this exists if they didn't have it here. Exactly. Um, but you mentioned one word, one term that we wanted to call out and see why this word is your favorite word, badass. <laughs> tell, us, tell us a little bit more about badass and, and what badass represents to you. I think badass is like one of the great words of womanhood right now. And it's us taking back our power and it's us complimenting one another and saying we're in this tribe together. Um, I consider badass to be the ultimate compliment. It is a woman who knows who she is. She's going out there. She's living her truth. And she's collecting the tribe around her and taking them along with her. She's owning it. She's owning it. Mm -hmm. She's owning it. I think one of the most radical things a woman can do is live her truth. Everything Mm -hmm. culture tells us is your body's not right. Your mind's not right. Your ambition's not right. Your drive's not right. And when you take the time to really understand who you are and then have the audacity to love that, that goes against so much of the cultural conditioning that we have. And it's so cool seeing more and more badasses embracing it, being like, this is who I am. Right. This is my body. This is my butt. This is my face. This is my ambition. This is my voice. Mm-hmm. And going and living that. I love that. I love it. You're, well, you're super badass. So definitely, we, <laughs> oh that's, God, and we're happy that you invited <laughs> us to you know this panel, which I, I think is a, such a beautiful thing for all women of all ages. Generations don't matter at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, the next question I have for you is your agency is uh, Villamina and Wolf, those two terms. That's not a coincidence. Give us the inspiration behind that name. My grandmother's Wilhelmina. She is the original badass. Um, she was, I didn't know her. She died when I was a year old, but the mythology and stories around her in my family are huge. She kept my father alive in Europe during World War II, escaped the Russians in a horse-drawn wagon, survived refugee camps, Brought was the one that really was the one that brought the family over to America. Um, they came on a boat through Ellis Island, which is crazy. My dad came on a boat through Ellis Island. So, um, you know, I wish I would have known her, and I always hope that, like, I'm, I'm living what she hoped for, right? Like, she made the immigration, mm-hmm. and I hope that my life is honoring the sacrifice that she made. So I always wanted to name that after her. It's also the name of a modeling name. Agency, (laughs) (laughs) and we hire very beautiful people. (laughs) And um, wolves. I'm the fourth generation that we know of in my family that's had a pet wolf, and it's kind of my spirit animal. The more I, the more I learned about wolves, I'm like, that's my animal. So that's what we did. 
And, and that brings me to my next question. Mm-hmm. Um, when I think of Heidi Hackamore, I think of Wolf as in the spirit animal. That's the picture that comes to me. So as you already know, Wolf um, you know, represents instinct, intelligence, appetite for freedom, and awareness of the importance of social connections. Mm-hmm. How are you tapping into these superpowers, or as we like to refer to it, your inner bruja? Oh, I love that. I love that. I, I want to learn more about the whole Bruja thing because I think this we'll is like amazing. <laughs> I love this. Crystal after this session. <laughs> okay, <guys>. done, done. <laughs> um, you know, for me, freedom is very important. The company has been built in a way that we um, are free ourselves up from a lot of the traditional ways that things work in our industry. Usually it's a client-agency relationship. Agency pretty much turns into a slave of the client, gets paid on their terms, works on their schedules, things like that. And... Um, well, our philosophy is that if we do amazing work, we can take back some of our freedom and have a more humane and partner relationship with our clients. So this idea of wolf freedom mm-hmm. is really important to us, that like there is something beautiful when you let real talent live and breathe and be wild. And so I try to create that sort of environment for my people so they can create amazing work for clients. But what clients need to understand when they come to us is that for us to be able to create that amazing level of work, you can't treat us like every other company. You have to give us different things that some people look at as freedom. So that's been a big thing. Mm -hmm. And then we always talk about the pack, always about the collection of the pack, protecting the pack. I don't really look at, for example, a lot of my workforce is freelancers because I really feel like if you want to be competitive in this economy, freelancers aren't there just to fill gaps. They're there to actually bring oxygen into your company and create just more energy and better collisions and vibration in your company, right? So we built the company from the beginning that it's a freelance and a core staff model. Mm -hmm. And so for us, it's really important that we're a gathering place. It's our community is super important. We talk about the pack. We talk about the extended pack. We talk about the wolves. We talk about the free range wolves and they're all in the family. And, you know, starting a company, uh, you know, I started it three years ago with my savings and two computers and tons of hustle, right? Like that's how you have to get it going. And the thing that got the company going was my network. It was me going out and telling people, my friends and like people that I knew, I'm starting this company and all the initial business came from my network. And if I didn't have that community around me, there's no way that W&W would exist. It's so important to be able to honor the network and approach, like build a soulful place for people to gather and for that network to coalesce around. Very cool. And speaking of panel, do you have another question for Heidi? I always have so many questions. You can't shut me up. I'm really (laughs) holding back right now, guys. But I have, um, obviously, we hear what drives you, what motivates you. I would love to know what you do to revive yourself. Where do you go to just come back and recharge? The spiritual recharge, That's what I'm talking about. Two years before I started W&W, I lived on the road. I lived out of a truck, and I drove around America, and I went from national park to national park and, like, slept outside was in the desert, like meditating and crying and, and that whole thing. And what I realized was it was it was a true walkabout and it was a true shedding where my soul finally came back to life after 10 years in the city of just go, go, go and being pretty mindless in my path. And so what I realize now that my connection to nature is so important. I cannot be away from nature. Um, and I'm also an introvert. Um, And it's hard being an introvert when you're running a business sometimes because it requires so much energy. So what I've done is I've actually bought a house upstate um, in Pennsylvania, and it's out in the sticks. It's in rural Pennsylvania. It's on a dirt road. There's a cow pasture across the street. And, you know, I just go there and, like, howl at the moon and meditate and 
and really just get back with nature. And then every vacation I've taken since I started the company has been road tripping around the United States, either in my truck or on my motorcycle. And just that freedom just to like go on the road and like pull into a national park or pull into a state park and sleep under the stars. If I don't do that on a regular basis, it's like something inside of me starts to tweak. And so I am an entrepreneur that is really strict about taking my vacations every year and making sure that they're blackout. Nobody's calling me. No one's contacting me because that communion with that higher power is it's the only way I can sustain myself and keep up the energy to run the business. We love it. We love your inner bruja tactics, by the way. It's amazing. (laughs) And and we also think it's very important to recharge your spirit. I don't think you can survive without it. And that's something that Luke and I have worked on a lot. Luke's my spiritual guide. Been working with him. He's like a spiritual guide, career coach. Like it's he's just a jumble. It's hard to call him. I don't even know what to call him. Anyway, it doesn't matter. So what (laughs) Luke and I have been working on for a long time is what used to happen when I would come out of nature. I'd have a really hard time coming back into the city and coming into work life and the readjustment. And there was always a couple weeks like where I felt really out of my skin. And with the company, something that Luke and I very pointedly worked on is how do you integrate those two parts of your life? And so one flows into the other and it's all good. Seamlessly, right? Right. Like work. Right. I thought it was just me. Every time I got back from vacation, I would get super depressed. Yeah. Well, I, that's why that term, like, you need a vacation from a vacation. I think yes. that it comes from that. Like, people miss their vacation. They're still living in the past, and they don't want to almost leave their vacation time. But of to course. your point, Heidi, you've created this um, this safe place at work where work is spiritual as well. Yeah, so it is. Beautiful. And it's also having a daily practice. So I know for me to say, Luke always says, and he And what we've worked through is just like the statement that I'm at my best self when I'm connected to the higher power. And when I'm connected to the higher power, then that allows me to be much better at everything that I do. And the thing that was hard before is that the only place I could find that connection was out in the middle of nowhere underneath the stars. Mm -hmm. And so we've developed a, a spiritual practice for me that deals with a lot of meditation in the morning journaling is huge for me like that's how I work things out it's true I do it all the time I sometimes I start writing I'm like I don't know what I'm going to start writing about and then I end up on the whole different path exactly you just got to kind of just let it go right and let it come in and um I do feel now that, yeah, there are times that I start to jig a little bit, like where I can feel the disconnection happening, Mm -hmm. but it's not two separate lives anymore. Mm -hmm. It's not. And that feels really good. You know, it feels really good to be able to bring the same energy to work that I bring to home, to my partner, to, um, to meditation. Like it's all starting to flow together, but it took a lot of work to do that. And I'm, I'm trying to figure out why talking to you guys, like why that was so hard. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm at there now and I feel like. I think we 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 are different people. When we're different people with our family, we're different people with our most intimate friends. We're different people at work, mm-hmm. and I'm at my happiest now because I am the same person exactly. at in each of those places. Right. And my family's right. like, "Where have you been? It's been a while. This yeah. is you as a child." And my my job is like, "Oh, we did not get interview Cindy this kind of Cindy before. Like this is awesome." And I think once you start to own that. Mm-hmm being yourself in different places that's that's it i don't know for me that's what that's the journey i'm on right now no you're totally triggering it for me because i think it got to be a lot easier when i went through that radical step of liking myself and realizing yeah right and you're you don't have to change for these situations you can just be you Mm -hmm. and you can tap into a spiritual thing that makes you feel you and just bring that to everything you do and i think the instant that i stopped beating myself up or trying to be something in each situation that's when that jig stopped happening. Yeah, it's yeah. exhausting. 
it's exhausting. exhausting. That's exactly right. It is exhausting. I think for me, um, I was reading this book, The Untethered Soul, and the biggest thing for me is that sometimes I'm in my own head, and mm-hmm. I'm my own, like my own demons almost talk to me, and they don't shut up. And yeah. then The Untethered Soul tells you, like, you need to chill and look at it as a witness. It's almost like you're watching the movie of yourself, mm-hmm. because then you don't take things so personally, mm-hmm. and you flow with energy easier so now even when i'm in in like a bad situation i'll look at it from a witness perspective so it's someone looking at nat go through this and then it's almost it's not that serious you know so i'm going through that as well but i'm trying to balance like you know mom life wife life and then just me being like the bruja that i am day to day Mm -hmm. i have a great support system but i think again it's i have to always come back to who am i Mm -hmm. every single day without anything every single day that's why i've been trying to practice meditation every day but it's so hard hard. for me i'm not doing it for myself as i should be i'll I'll admit to that but you're journaling so there's always you're doing things that get you there yeah there's something you're in that space and something that luke taught me was just forgiveness he's like sometimes meditation for you is being on your motorcycle sometimes it's it's um it's your journaling practice he's like as long as you're just taking time every day to do something that's for you it's it's, don't like beat yourself up if you're not meditating every day oh i'm so good at beating myself up (laughs) i am the pro okay if you want help you you holler at me because i know it's it's bad and then i'm like i'm letting it go little by little it's like every year i shed that it's a layer yeah it's like you know it kind of it drives me yeah but at the same time i'm like i need to stop like if i made a mistake it's cool yeah, you know, it's okay. You're human. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. And I, I, I actually learned a lot from my nephews watching them. They never beat themselves up. <laughs> they take like, they're like little boys. They're like, whatever. I'm awesome. I'm, I'm this little dude. And like, I would see my nieces start to self criticize, but my nephews weren't doing it. And I was like, wow. Yeah, they just again, shake it off. Society norms, though. I still think yeah. they're still applying to them from that age. So again, little girls are still already having issues with their body or self image, and and yeah, at six, at six, that's what? when it starts now. And little boys don't even care because no one's pointing the finger at them and telling them, you know, this is how you should be. This is what the world expects of you. So there's True. still that's still happening. I yeah. think. Yeah. Oh so. man. Yeah, and I think we're also in a really, I mean, not to like totally divert the conversation, but just in a really interesting time for men, because right. as we're rising. No one's taught these generations of boys, like my age, no guy my age was taught how to deal with a powerful woman. And oh, I think there's yes. this really right weird on. disconnect where all of us, I mean, I'm 38 years old, right? So I grew up with coaches telling me I could be anything, teachers telling me I could be anything, parents telling me it could be anything, and going out and thinking I was going to be like this like warrior princess, right? Which but, you are. Which right? I am, right? <laughs> which we all are, which we all are. Uh, but no one, but the narrative that was being told to the little boys was still, you're going to be the provider. You're going to take care of these girls. And there was like a, there was a disjointed narrative. Mm-hmm. And I see a lot of guys my age and older struggling. And it's not that they're bad guys, right? Yeah. It's just that they're confused. They're confused. Yeah. They don't know they're what to confused. do. It's like a lot of powerful women are like unleashing themselves right now. Right. And so what do you do with that? And I think, you know, feminism is only going to get to its apex when we deal with that, too. Right. Mm-hmm. That we we Speaking need these that, allies. Um, Cindy and I, we were going through the website where, you know, yeah. you know, seeing what what's Heidi's team about. Right. And we do see that you have some men on your mm-hmm. team and you call them um, man ambassadors. Yeah. <laughs> what is what do you do? What do you think about what's the process when you look for men? Um, that kind of could take on these powerful women that surrounds them. First of all, like I need more guys on my team. <laughs> like, <laughs> like we're like talking point, to. It's so hard yeah. to find men that are comfortable with right. these powerful badass women. Yeah. So. And you can feel it right away yeah. when a guy walks in the absolutely. room. Like you can you can absolutely feel it. And I think yeah. it just comes down to like good humans. 
right? Mm-hmm. Like good humans. And a good human, whether they're male or female, is not going to worry about whether it's a company full of women or a company full of men or whatever. They're going to just be a good that's human. True. Yeah, that's so true. And we and the thing is, in our free range network, we have tons of guys. And um, every, it, it, I don't even they, no one even talks about it. Yeah, you know, you it just kind of is. It just says. So you're just looking for a good human. Just good humans. What's the message out there you got for the for the guys that are like, I like these feminist badass bitches, but I have no idea what to do with them. How do I handle them? What do you, what do you have for them? That's a really good question. Um, don't flinch. <laughs> I can't tell you how many guys I've dated that once they get past the initial like, oh my gosh, like you know, yeah. and then they get to know me and they see like I'll cry. Or, like, I'll have a bad day. The vulnerable moment. The vulnerable side, and then they flinch at that. Mm-hmm. Um, like, so don't flinch. Like, a badass woman is not is not impenetrable, and she is not trying to beat you up, and she is not scary. She just is strong. Mm-hmm. But that strength comes with other things as well. It comes with weakness. I mean, it comes with weakness. The same at the end of the day. Of course. Of course there's weakness to it. So, so just, like, don't flinch. And whenever you can find a guy that doesn't flinch could seize you like right like like my one of my soul sisters just got engaged and I'm like what do you love most about Julian and she's like he sees me he sees me that's beautiful yeah that's well, beautiful. well our next t-shirt line will be don't flinch fellas <laughs> <Just in case. laughs> exactly yeah. is there is there anything else that you wanted to add that we didn't get to ask you I think just like we just need to stick together and we need to find common ground. I mean, that's that's a big reason we're doing this town hall today. Mm-hmm. Um, my, I'm white. I grew up middle class, and I would say I'm white privileged now, right? Mm-hmm. And um, there's a, there's a lot. I have a lot of feelings right now about like, my God, like we have to get we have to come together because if we don't, we're in trouble as a gender, right? right. And it doesn't discount the experiences that anyone's had. So we have to honor the experiences people have had. But I think we also need to work together to find the common ground so we can move together powerfully. Mm -hmm. So that's why we want to have this conversation tonight. Like, how can we honor the fact that everyone has dealt with shit as being a woman, right? Right. Everyone has. Mm -hmm. Um, And I honor your shit and you honor my shit, right? Like, we, we honor it. But then how can we also find common ground? Because the thing that these people want the most is for us to be divided. Yes. Right. Our division is their victory. Mm-hmm. So how can we each, like, we talked about this at the dinner, like, just get the ego down a little bit, right. take it down a notch, look someone else in the eye and say, we have this in common, let's move forward together, and let me honor you and you honor me. Now we go to the panel, Solstice Series, hashtag Solstice Series, if you want to check out Heidi. You could also see her on Instagram at uberblonde. At Uber Blonde. <laughs> Stay tuned. Thank you so much. This is Cindy. And this is Nat. Thank you, guys. This is Heidi. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. 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 Bye.